Ulterior. The fact that this is the third time in a matter of weeks that I have to start off an episode on a topic as grave as death is something that I will never become used to or feel like has been normalized because there's no real way to put it other than this shit sucks. Like, it really, really does. And I, I don't really know what else there is for me to say other than just getting into it now. Uh, as I would imagine, most of everybody hearing this, if not everybody hearing this, has already heard from last week the news that Tim Furyk from Dance Gavin Dance passed away. Tim was the bassist, uh, not only for DGD, but also for Wolf and Bear, which is another band in the Swan Corps umbrella. And this was surreal, to kind of put it, uh, put it lightly. I was just kind of, uh, not really doing anything at work and just like going through my phone, opening Instagram. And I opened, uh, like I said, I just opened Instagram. And the first post on my feed was from Dance Kevin Dance. And it was just, text-based posts on a black background and i i always know what that kind of stuff means and the first thing i saw was tim's name tim Furick, and my brain like was able to put things together and i knew what had happened yet it, it was like my my eyes didn't want to scroll through the rest of uh the text because again i was able to kind of figure out what was going on what that meant and it it was just like I, I don't remember if I expressed it exactly with this verbiage when Keaton from Too Close to Touch passed a couple weeks ago, but you, you kind of just see these artists and people who you idolize, you almost see them as invincible. You kind of don't ever really expect to see that they're gone. And just the, again, surreal nature of all of it... Uh, it was a lot to handle. It was a lot to take in. Um, and not just obviously for myself, but like everybody uh, in the dance giving dance community on Twitter and Instagram, everywhere else. It was, it, it was crazy. It was genuinely a big ass mind fuck. And you know, y- y- all you could really do was just be there for others and be there for the people who were affected by this. Um, so since then, some time has passed, and what we know now is that Dance Kevin Dance will be going ahead with Swan Corps this weekend, Swan Corps, Swan Fest this weekend, and the subsequent tour that's going to follow that, as well as the announcement of their new album later this week. Uh, by the time all of you guys hear this, maybe the album had already been announced, maybe uh, beforehand, I'm not sure, but either way... All of the members of Dance Give a Dance, they're going to be moving forward. Uh, Sergio Medina, who uh, I know from a lot of different projects, the one that comes to mind immediately being Idola, he is going to be uh, doing bass duties for the tours. And I, I cannot imagine being in the spot that those guys are in. Like, you know, oh, this immense tragedy happening and then kind of, you know, collectively with the band, with the crew, with Tim's family deciding that now is the time to like pick yourself up and move forward with the only thing that 
you know, is like the universal healing technique for us, that being music. So, yeah, um, I, I will never figure out everything that I want to say when I cover death on this show. So, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it right there. Um, rest in peace, Tim, and you'll never be forgotten. So as for the content for this episode, um, a, a bit of a lighter week, but I am okay with that. Uh, we've got singles from the likes of uh, Motionless and White, Palisades, Mayfield, Chief State, a few others I want to get to, and then only two records being covered this week, Greyhaven and Monuments. So yeah, thanks everybody. Enjoy this episode. I'm going to play Elden Ring someday soon. I just need to find the time for it and whatnot. But I feel like every day I am exposed to some bit of lore for Elden Ring that makes me even more eager to get to play it. The most recent case being Let Me Solo Her. And guys, this is genuinely my favorite fucking thing that I've come across all week. Aside from the music I'm going to talk about in this episode, Let Me Solo Her is like my everything right now. So, just to give a brief description, if anybody does not know what I'm talking about, uh, there is a player who is voluntarily going in and beating the most difficult boss in the game for other players. For no reason other than he just wants to. Um, It's fucking hilarious and impressive and commendable and heroic and whatever else you can think of. Let Me Solo Her is a goddamn fucking legend, and I am so enamored by the story. I'm also enamored by all the new music from last week that I'm here to go over. The first one being the number one ranked song you seem to go overlook. This is Mayfield's Right Where You Want Me. I came across Mayfield almost three years ago at this point off of their debut album, Careless Love, which I appreciated as being kind of a like raw sounding post-hardcore record that took influences from other areas in the scene like melodic hardcore, so like counterparts per se. Um, all that being said, this song, Right Where You Want Me, it is quite the departure from that, and in this track, we get to hear Mayfield employ something a bit more accessible with no screaming in it whatsoever like it's still post hardcore but now maybe there are like some slight tones of mainstream flares being thrown in um something that i kind of came up with in my mind and maybe this isn't accurate but again it's just what i drew uh say a band like movements or balancing composure taking their style and putting together something structurally similar to drown by bringing the horizon it's just one of those songs that like i feel like i could show this to anybody whether they fuck with the scene or not and they're gonna get it i don't know if they'll fall in love with it the way that i did 
but at the very least i can show it to them and i feel like this would be the kind of song where they can be like i understand what the alternative scene is trying to embody nowadays um right where you want me is the best mayfield song i've ever heard i fuck with it immensely it is just something that like has captured my heart in a lot of ways like this song hits me spiritually not just sonically um i you know a few days in i've already kind of made these personal attachments to the track that i will never ever be able to let go of and i don't want to let go of uh no i guess yeah pun intended this song has me right where it wants me and i'll use that shitty ass joke to imperfectly segue into the brand new chief state song burning out Never judge a book by its cover is the cliche phrase that's intended to make us all feel better about being shitty people, but I looked at the presentation for uh, this song and everything surrounding it, and I knew instantly that it was some pop-punk type shit. But I guess to be like more precise, having unpacked the song, it's pop-punk with some bit of aggression, the same way that a band like the story so far utilizes um it's raw and energetic and i'm, I'm gonna say fast-paced but like fast-paced in the sense that it's just one of those like really fucking uh, like thumping punk songs that you're kind of just able to like headbang too and i could easily imagine like you know a pit opening up for this song and even if it's not the heaviest you know pop punk or punk track whatever out there it fucking goes it gets me amped and energized i feel like i could run through a goddamn fucking brick wall listening to this song um i this is my first exposure to chief state by the way but off of burning out i already feel inclined to go back and see what else this band has offered over the years to their audience that i consider myself to be a part of now because burning out is fucking magnificent we got another new single off of the upcoming Palisades album, Reaching Hypercritical. This time, it is the title track. So to be honest, I definitely felt some type of way when Lou stepped down as the vocalist of Palisades a few months ago, and I only say that because for almost a decade now, Palisades have kind of been like a pillar band for myself. Um, the albums of theirs that Lou has fronted, they consist of some of my favorite moments in C music over the last few years, and you know, I'm talking like Player Haters Ball, uh, Fall, Aggression, Push, like, these songs, they have just been there for me at some really, really pivotal times. And Lou leaving Palisades, the the shoes that Brandon would have had to have fit seemed, I don't want to say impossible, but, like, astronomically difficult. But it's every bit of credit in the world to him because he has stepped the fuck up in this new role. 
Um, I think between Reaching Hypercritical and the prior singles for this album, like Better, what we're seeing is Palisades operating with the same quality, despite kind of being a new band in some ways. Um, I think this single has the same energy and catchiness throughout the chorus that we've heard in other Palisade songs, and the particular moment in the chorus where it sounds like two different sections that are somehow able to be blended together seamlessly, um, and that plays into the final chorus, which has like a slight key change to it. Um, I, I love it when bands are able to do that kind of shit, and Palisades did it in a way that, like, if I, if I didn't believe they were already elevated, this would have been the song to have done it for me. Um, Palisades, they're not going anywhere. The album Reaching Hypercritical, which is coming out in July, uh, pay attention to, to this. This is going to be big. I, I, I really, really feel that. Um, maybe the biggest song from last week that I'm covering today? Um, I, I feel like that's the case. Masterpiece by Motionless in White. Sort of joking, but also not really. Motionless and White's current incarnation makes it needless for me to sit around and be like, hey, I wonder what Breaking Benjamin are up to nowadays. And again, I say that jokingly in some ways, but it was something that I did see on the TL. And to be fair, I think they've been given those comparisons ever since Reincarnate, Especially with Chris's delivery, which is as fucking goaded on this track as it's been every other time that guy picks up a microphone. Um, Moses and White. Uh, you guys have heard every other fucking alternative music podcast host out there say this for all of fucking eternity. Uh, Moses and White are those fucking dudes. And I, I, I think with a song like Masterpiece, Maybe it doesn't innovate, maybe it doesn't show off a new side to them, because you could definitely hear this through, like, Another Life or Voices, but you just hear a band, like, manage to reinvent themselves, if that makes any sense. They're not affecting any other band, they're not affecting the genre at large, but they affect themselves every single time. Um, this song is... Quite different, I would say, from Cyberhex, which was the lead single off of Scoring the End of the World out on June 10th, because Cyberhex was like a very chaotic and just like glitch-filled song, if that makes any sense. Masterpiece is very safe. The arrangement to it is very, I guess, normal for rock music nowadays, but to the credit of Motionless and White, they have been able to prove time and time again that whatever sound it is they explore they nail it every single fucking time. Masterpiece is kind of just that. Not to be cliche or whatever, or corny, but genuinely, Masterpiece is a masterpiece. It is fucking insane and incredible, and we're two for two on scoring the end of the world right now. I, I see no reason why this will be an album that misses the mark in any capacity. A brand new State Champ song, this is titled Eventually.
This is the fourth single off of Kings of the New Age out on May 13th through Pure Noise. And I feel like a broken record at this point because whenever I talk about state champs, I reiterate the same things, guys. They are at the top of the game in pop punk. They are the leaders of the genre. They put out bangers every single time. Like, this is not news to me. And it shouldn't be news to any of you. State champs are, I I think, like, just undeniably one of the most consistent bands that there is going today in the scene. I cannot think of an instance where they have ever missed on anything that they have done. All of the singles so far for Kings of the New Age live up to every expectation. Eventually could be my favorite, to be honest. I There's something about the, uh, the delivery and the melody throughout, eventually, that is able to kind of put me into... I don't want to say like a nostalgic mindset, but like... It, it reminds me of a simpler time. And again, I, cliche, I just, I, I, all, that's all I do nowadays, guys, is just throw out cliches. Eventually reminds me of a simpler time where I was able to kind of just, you know, live and not be the little fucking stress ball that I am now, especially right now, uh, given some personal stuff that I'm not going to get into. Um, it's a feel good song. It, it's kind of just able to calm me and soothe me and just be, the abundance of serotonin that my brain really, really needs right now. And that's all that state champs have ever been able to do for me. And I'm grateful for that. And I will be even more grateful on May 13th when I have this new album in hand and I'm able to get on the show the next week and just sing the praises of state champs like I believe everybody else should be doing. New single by In Dying Arms, Dark Days. So they had broken up back in 2017 and reformed about two years ago at this point. They had Cold and Empty out in 2020. And then for 2021, there was a single Death Wish. And now we have Dark Days. Uh, my only hope is that we don't see them venture off for another year like that's been the case since 2020. Uh, I, I need more in Dying Arms in my life if Dark Days is a... Uh, like a teaser of the caliber that this band could be employing now. And that's not to say that I don't think the other singles or even what they had been doing prior in like their deathcore days. Uh, I, I don't believe any of that failed. I would actually say that I have liked In Dying Arms the whole time. But there's something about Dark Days where I hear this song and granted, it doesn't really do a lot different from other metalcore acts. You know, there's nothing like groundbreaking happening here. It's a heavy ass song with some great melodic sections in the chorus that, you know, y- you've heard that f- from plenty of other bands by this point. But there's something about Wooden Dying Arms, They Were Dark Days, that is ahead of the curve in some ways still. Um, it feels massive. It truly feels like some, uh, what's the word? Um, a benchmark, I guess, for like where this band is at now and where they could be headed. Um, when this song is like emotional, it is really fucking gripping. When it is, uh, heavy, it is fucking blistering and thundering and whatever else I can use to describe that kind of brutality. 
Um, Dark Days is a fucking home run of a track. I love it. I cannot stop listening to it. And I need more from In Dying Arms if Dark Days is, again, the indicator for what they can do now. The final single that I'll be getting into comes from Stand Atlantic, and it is called Switchblade. May 6th is coming up really, really quickly, and like I said earlier about Motionless and White and State Champs, I have gone on and on at large already about the quality of Stan Atlantic that I believe they are incorporating into the rollout for Fear, because there is no miss on the part of this band in that aspect. Uh, Pity Party, Molotov, all of those songs, all that shit, Switchblade is right there with them. Um... Stan Atlantic is one of those bands that I don't think they were doing anything wrong off of Skinny Dipping or Pink Elephant, but what Fear so far is doing is showing what they could have been doing better, I suppose. Um, because everything that they've been doing so far for Fear, it is quite more energetic and like angsty in a way, um, but Stan Atlantic... They've been able to take this sound and just make perfection out of it. And again, Switchblade is another showcase of that. I love the, uh, you know, not the pop punk nature of it because I wouldn't really even say that, but just like the alternative flair that is uh, incorporated into Switchblade. The just catchy chorus that is so easy to imagine a live audience just like shouting along with Bonnie during a set. Um Everything about this song works. I think everything so far about Fear works. Everything about Stand Atlantic right now works. And just like all the other bands I mentioned so far, I cannot wait to come onto this show after having heard Fear, uh, however many times I feel like it at that point, and just tell all of you guys about the growing legend that is Stand Atlantic. These were the remaining single slots week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the social media reviews. Doritos and Fritos by 100 Gex. Offerings by A Moment's Notice, Scream by Aviva, Stand Down by Bleed From Within, Behind the Crowd by Body Snatcher, Face in the Corner by Born Anew, Material Sons 1 Afterglow by Breakthrough Evens featuring Mike Semeski, Hard to Reach by Codis, Crooked Halos by Dragged Under, Crash My Car by Gucci Highwaters, Devil on My Shoulder by Gucci Highwaters, Heritage by Holofront, Ready for Combat by Icon for Hire, Sympathy by Lifespark, Coma Year by Limbs, Inertia by Lost Trees, band with the intro song, shout out to them, Alpha Wolf by Moontooth, No Help by Our Last Night, Escape from My Reality by Scary Kids, Scary Kids featuring Modson, Falling Out by Secrets, This Song Goes Out to You by Story Untold, Change Your Heart or Die by The Midnight, Lifetime by Three Days Grace, The Numbers by Valley Heart, Dark Days by We Struck Gold, Eye to Eye by While She Sleeps, and Superstitious Fantasy by Wind Waker. So, no single from last week that I didn't fuck with. There were actually quite a few that were like right there on the verge of Scenic Overlook, um, like Secret and the two Gucci Highwater songs. But, you know, decisions had to be made and that's where we stood. So, yeah, really good week. Shout out to everybody who put in the work. Very happy for y'all. And now I'm going to go ahead and get into, again, the only two records this week to discuss. The first one being In Stasis by Monuments. Oh, 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 o
To be completely honest, I had only heard of Monuments prior to Andy Sizik joining the band on vocals back in 2019. I have since then gone through pieces of their discography, not the whole thing, but just, you know, bits here and there, and I would say much of it is really enjoyable, at least from what I got to hear. Um, I think they were able to find a really nice groove for themselves back on Phrenosis, Phrenesis, I don't remember how to say that, back in 2018, but again... Andy only joined in 2019, so the dynamic for Insasis was going to be different no matter what. Um, Andy, if anybody considers themselves to be part of the scene, like Andy is kind of just somebody who you become familiar with through osmosis and you don't really have a choice about it. Uh, you've all heard things that he's done before, whether it be through Makari or Monuments or, um, the project he had with Nick Nocturnal. I don't remember the name of it. It was last year. I, I didn't really enjoy it that much, but Andy is still somebody who is immensely talented. Uh, his YouTube stuff, you know, it's just like plastered in every recommended section I've ever come across for this goddamn fucking scene. Um, Andy Sizik is a constant. I have my microphone right now. That was a noise if you heard it. Um, Andy is a constant and I, I think he's a good constant. He, his existence is good for all of us. Um, so one of the things I want to get to about Instasis was the lead single or rather what I perceived to be it because Cardinal Red, which dropped a couple months ago, that was my first time diving into the rollout. And even after hearing Instasis in full several times, um, I am still of the belief that Cardinal Red is not only my favorite song off of Instasis, but my favorite song I have ever heard out of Monuments. Um, not just because of the Mick Gordon feature, Mick Gordon having done work before for like Doom and uh, some stuff on Post Human by Bring Me the Horizon, but just the way that Monuments are able to carry that song and the just melody throughout it, the, the rhythm to it, the catchiness even in its heavier moments. Um, the really just like calming outro, everything about Cardinal Red, I believe is this band operating at the highest level they possibly can. And that level is fucking astronomical. I'll say that now. Cardinal Red is that fucking song. I love it so much. I genuinely, genuinely guys cannot get enough of that song. Um, all that being said though, uh, Lavos was the actual lead single. And I think what that song does is... It shows off many of the elements that detail Monument's polished nature while still being able to be the blistering track that their audience knows them to be or to rather uh, put out. Um, again, it's not Cardinal Red in my mind, but to be fair, I don't really believe right now anything on this record nor in this band's discography is. Um, the album opens with No One Will Teach You, which features Nima Ascari, who actually used to be in Monuments. Um, I think that Andy's vocals during the chorus are like perfectly complementary to the heavy instrumentation. And the same thing can be said about Nima's section when he comes in during the second verse. Um, one of the downsides I do want to just briefly mention with Instasis, uh, because it's not a huge one, but it's just something that I at least wanted to kind of get out there. In my mind, some of the songs on here, like Opiate and Somnus, they kind of just exist. And when I say that, I mean... I believe they lack some of the elements that I thought made the other songs really remarkable. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing here that was done poorly, in my opinion. There's just nothing that was done to the exciting extent as other songs, like Cardinal Red, and then even Arch Essence, which features Spencer Sotelo from Periphery. 
um that song fucks dude like genuinely there is this real soothing rhythm to some of the tracks arrangement and i think that is able to mesh perfectly into the metalcore style that monuments have proven at this point to hold prowess in and mixing in spencer's feature if not for cardinal red i truly believe that arch essence would be my standout song on the record um, makeshift harmony is another one that I want to point out because in my mind, it kind of channels some of that, uh, like that weird prog style of metalcore that we've seen bands like Galleons and Valiant Hearts venture into, or maybe not metalcore per se, but like post-hardcore at the very least. And I wouldn't call this a post-hardcore song. It's just some of those elements I can kind of hear being sprinkled in. And I really, really enjoy that. Um, the closing track, the Samirion is over seven minutes long. And I've gone on before on this show about how I feel regarding lengthy songs, but to Monument's credit, they were able to craft something with this track that managed to maintain my attention all the way through, and I think ultimately it is served as, like, the, um, the epic conclusion, if you want to put it that way, for this overall package. Is it my favorite song? No, definitely not. But I didn't get bored listening to it. I didn't hear it and think, oh, when is this going to end? Because I kind of have a tendency to do that sometimes with a longer track, especially within the metalcore genre. But this song was perfect, in my opinion. Um, so I guess like in a, a closing sense for Instasis, I, at least from what I've been able to hear of Monuments, this is my favorite album of theirs. Is it an album that I'm going to be listening to over and over again over the next few months and into the end of the year and whatever afterwards? I don't know. I would say right now, probably not. But at the very least, I can take songs like Makeshift Harmony and Arch Essence and motherfucking goddamn Cardinal Red and just kind of have them in my rotation for the rest of time. Especially Cardinal Red. Did you guys know that I like Cardinal Red? I really, really, really fucking like that song. And now I'm going to get into the second and only remaining album for this episode. This Bright and Beautiful World by Crayhaven. So this is the third album from Grey Haven. The first of theirs was Cult America back in 2014, which I didn't even realize until a few days ago is not even on Spotify anymore for some reason. So that's kind of weird. Uh, if you want to check out Cult America, then you have to go to YouTube or somewhere else, I guess. Um, what I would say about Cult America is I like it for what it is. And what it is is a very rough and unpolished sounding bit of calamity. And I say that with all of the good intentions in the world because Cult America, it showed what Grey Haven could be and not necessarily a spot that they were destined to hold, if that makes any sense. Um, and then there was Empty Black in 2018, which, in my opinion, Empty Black is one of the most underappreciated albums of the last few years. I think with that outing, Grey Haven found what was missing from Cult America and just kind of added that on to what was already working for them. And you ended up getting one of, again, just the most underappreciated albums, the most underrated albums of the last few years, because I, I, I seldomly ever see anyone mention Grey Haven or just Empty Black. And that is not right. Like, like that album is full of these hidden gems 
the most notable one to me being Echo and Dust Part 1. Um, whatever genre you would say Grey Haven, uh, you know, kind of is involved in, progressive post-hardcore, I guess, um, Echo and Dust might be my favorite song I have ever heard come out of that genre. I think it is perfect. I think Empty Black as a whole is perfect. And all of that is going to segue into this bright and beautiful world because I don't really feel too differently about this album from what I did with Empty Black. This is an album that is as flashy as it is mopey. But when I say flashy, I don't mean that this is like an album whose technicality is done in a way where Grey Haven are like, hey, look at the cool things we can do with our instruments. It's flashy because there's no way to tell these stories properly without chaos being the main component. It needs all of the twists and turns that you can never let yourself get comfortable with because the second that you do, there's going to be another turn that makes the album even more daunting than what you've already been listening to. I personally believe that Grey Haven began this record cycle with their best foot forward, uh, that being in the form of the lead single, All Candy. I think I said this back near the end of 2021 when reviewing it as a single, but All Candy is so, like, grimy and sleazy in its delivery that I think lends itself to the unsettling style that Grey Haven have perfected by this point. It's so catchy and easy to move your head to, but at certain times, you might be wondering if you should even be having that kind of a joyful reaction to something with this lyrical nature. Step inside of my head and make yourself right at home. You know I miss all my other friends, miss all my other old ghosts. Foreign Anchor was the second single, and that one embodies more of the chaotic style that I think Greyhaven are just pure masters of. Um, it channels bands like the Dillinger Escape Plan, and Every Time I Die, who in their tenures were able to give rhythm to the most grotesque and like discombobulated sounds within alternative music. Um, Ornaments from the Well was the final single, and at the same time, it was it's also the final song on the album. It is very slow in comparison to something like Foreign Anchor, but that sleaziness that I mentioned before it's still there, and in some ways, this more muted style to Greyhaven sometimes feels even creepier than when they're going a million miles an hour. Um, so, just to kind of get into like what is brand new for this album, the opening song, In a Room Where Everything Dies, you immediately get right into the meat of the album, you have the heaviness that can be startling, and then the laid-back clean vocals that really don't give you that much more of a sense of security. Um, the trend is able to continue through other songs like A Painful and Necessary Action, which has this chorus that acts as one of my favorite moments on the whole album, because it's this bit of accessibility that is assimilated into an ear-fucking arrangement, and there are not many bands that could have been able to do that the way that I think Greyhaven did. Um... Songs like More and More Hands and then The Quiet Shakes are able to achieve much of the same thing, which is like having their own unique spin. And that unique spin is what enables every song on this bright and beautiful world to be defined by their own characters and not feel like these overt connective threads that I think can hinder a lot of records. Because the songs are connective to one another, but they're not so connective in the way that I 
couldn't remember which song was which. Like, each song had a clear identity, and that was able to allow me to kind of latch onto everything here. Um, I do want to single out the song Fed to the Lights, which is one of the slower songs on the album. There's relatively little screaming here, and the path is definitely paved, I think, for this to be something that fans who are coming to Greyhaven strictly for the heaviness, they might not be so fond of, but I personally think that this is one of the higher points here. It's brooding and still catchy, and it employs everything about Greyhaven that not only do I enjoy, but I think in the grand scheme of things have been able to get them to where they're at now and has been able to kind of lay the foundation for this bright and beautiful world to potentially, hopefully, maybe be the breakthrough that this band needs. Because I mentioned earlier, Empty Black, I don't know how many people actually got to hear that. I think it is so underappreciated, underrated, and undervalued by the scene at large more people need to hear that, but at the same time, I need those people to get into this Brighton Before World before it reaches a point like Empty Black where it can pass you by and just be considered like this hidden gem that should have never even been hidden in the first place. This Brighton Before World is kind of a, a, a little bit of a an oxymoron when it comes to how it sounds compared to the name of the album because there's not really anything about the nature here that is so bright about the world it's very dark and again sleazy but i couldn't have asked for anything else out of great haven like this is the exact record i wanted out of them i'm so happy to have been able to get this the way that i did the manner that i did the manner that it was delivered to me by great haven because this is exactly who they are this is who they're meant to be this is the kind of music that they should be playing and what i mentioned earlier about doing your escape plan or um uh, why did the name escape me? Every time I die, and then even if you were to go back years and years into like early Mudvayne shit, Greyhaven being the flag bearers for that style of post-hardcore, yes. Absolutely a thousand times fucking yes. They've earned it, and they can do it. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week that I had to discuss. It was a lighter week, and... I'm really okay with that because just things are crazy right now, guys, in my personal life. And I I even had like this uh, little post ready to go for Instagram and Twitter in the event that I didn't put out an episode this week because that was a real possibility. But I pushed through it and here we are now, which hopefully you've heard this episode in full or you skipped ahead to the ending for some reason. Whatever the case may be, I appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.